So the Bible reading is from John 15, 9 to 13. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a person will lay down his life for his friends. Thanks, Nicole. Reverend Colin, were you expecting this morning? Yes. Amen. Let's do this. It is. Morning, everybody. Morning. Great to be here. Praise God. Yes. Pastor Grant reminded me that right back in those days. We've been around a long time. Canberra. My goodness. Canberra. Disneyland. I'm, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. <laughs> Let's look, Lord Father, we're excited about what you're doing in our lives, our homes, our families. Thank you for your grace that's on our lives, our homes, our families. Where would we be without your grace, your goodness, your mercy? Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's certainly not by our brilliant intellects, but it's by your spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here this morning. Have your way, touch our lives, touch our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You know, um, I was thinking before what I might be able to share, but how many of you know that Friday was Remembrance Day? Yes, sir. Anybody? Yep. Used to be Armistice Day. Just a few days before that, 31st of October, was the anniversary of the charge of the light horse Bereshi. Opened the gateway to Jerusalem. The city that Jesus is coming back to. No, it's not New York, not London. It's Jerusalem. Is that right or not? Yes. Sadly, most Aussies don't even know what I'm talking about. But anyway, thank you for your enthusiasm. But you know, here, uh, I, I love this. We live in dark days. I mean, we do live in dark days. We need something that will bring us some hope. Yes. You know, you can't have faith if you don't have a hope to start with. And we live in a hopeless generation. Uh, mental problems. I was reading in Time magazine that the average person today has the same mental problems as the, as the mental patients did in the 1950s. So today what you considered normal, you're a nutcase back in the 50s, but thank you on that point. <laughs> Psalm 78. It says here in verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. A lot of the sayings of old which we've heard and known and our fathers have told us. Well, for most of us, that wouldn't be true because our fathers didn't even know themselves, so how could they pass it on? It goes on, will not hide them from their children, but telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. His strength, the wonderful works that he has done. You know, not 666 and the stormtroopers are coming, but the wonderful works that he has done. Come on. The goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy. For he established the testimony in Jacob. Notice Jacob, not Esau. Because Esau sold his heritage. If you read Hebrews, it says, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. That's pretty strong language. If you do a word study, it actually means I won't bless. But anyway. It goes on to say here in verse 7, sorry, verse 6, that the generation to come might know them. The children who would yet be born, they may arise and declare them to their children. Why? So they may set the hope in God and not forget the works of God. 
So we need some things, I believe, you know, that will bring us some hope. 31st of October. I, I don't know if you realise this or not, but Jerusalem was captured by the Ottoman Turks, the Muslims, on the 31st of October, 1517. It was liberated on the 31st of October, 1970, 400 years to the exact day. If you think that's coincidence, you're thick as a brick. That's the hand of God. That's the hand of God. There are moeds, Hebrew, meaning specific times in God. Whether you believe it or don't believe it, it's a moed. Jesus is coming back. Whether you believe it or don't believe it, that'll affect you, but he's coming back on a specific time. And I believe that this was a specific time in God. Let me just give you a little... History and background, Jerusalem, 400 years, a city that Jesus is coming back to ruled by Muslims. Think about this, 11 crusades, not one, 11 crusades tried to liberate it and couldn't do it. Yeah. Napoleon loved the Jewish people, sent an army, sons of Israel, come home to your native land. When we take the city of Jerusalem, we'll re-establish the nation of Israel, but he's defeated by the Brits. His fleet was sunk at the, the Battle of the Nile. So for hundreds of years, the city that Jesus is coming back to was ruled by Muslims. But in 1914, the First World War broke up. We were 13 years old as a country. The youngest nation on the planet, 13 years old. Traditionally, when Jewish boys become men at 13, by mitzvah, they don't have a thing called teenagers. So the boys become men at 13. And so think about this. The Brits had tried with 60,000 British troops to take the city of Gaza with tank support, couldn't do it. You know, it's interesting when you do things in your own strength. Is that right? Anybody else out there or is this too deep? We have an order call for liars. We we'll all try to do things in our own strength and think it's God. Is that right or not? But there are specific times in God. There are times, I believe, that God has appointed. So 60,000 British troops with tank support still couldn't do it. And so they call up 800 of our bushy mates. Every man's a volunteer. They come from the Northern Territory, from the outback, with their own horses. And they're going to be assigned a charge across six kilometres of open terrain. Already eight to one odds against them, with our Kiwi mates, wherever they are. They're going to charge into heavy machine guns, six to one odds against them. German artillery. General Allenby said, we'll lose every man, but we've got to do what we can do. Some of these horses haven't had water for 72 hours. You imagine in 50 degree heat. Some of the men have not been able to... So we have to do what we can do. I love what General Chauvel from northern New South Wales said, get off our backs and give us a go. And so they line up and they're going to make a charge. I, I love that. Let me just give you a little background here. Every man carried a Bible. No, I'm not making that. My grandfather broke horses for the light horse, along with Banjo Patterson. Every man was issued with a leather-bound Bible. I've got my grandfather's, a leather-bound New Testament. Every man was issued with one. The Bible talks about here that they were keen students of the Bible. The night before the charge, the chaplains were with them. And it says that there were angelic beings sighted in the sky, lights and things like that. It's actually recorded in military history books. Because they couldn't understand it, they put it down simply as lack of sleep. So they're going to make a charge. Across six kilometres. I, I, I love this stuff. This is sick to a dog, to me. I love it. You know... Scripture says, teach your children their godly heritage, not some other country's hand-me-down heritage. Sadly, in our country, we, you know, we favour things like Ned Kelly, convicts. Well, there's another side to the story. No other nation has blessed Israel like our nation's blessed Israel. No other nation. In Genesis, it says, if you bless my people, I'll bless you. 
And if you curse my people, I'll curse you. Well, curses are obviously, Jesus redeemed us from the curse, but blessings are never removed. If you bless, I, sometimes, you know, I, I like to remind God, it says, put me in remembrance of my word. I said, God, do you remember? No other nation has blessed the Jews like we've blessed them. We, we've shed our blood for the liberation. There's a bond between Israel and our nation. Hey, when, when uh, uh, what's his name, Bob Hawke was prime minister, they made him an honorary citizen of Israel. Think about it. As I say, I love that. No other nation. You know, you get some dingling prophet comes along. I think I'm more of a loss myself sometimes and starts prophesying that this country, I say, can you read? I said, can you read? Yeah, I said, well, read Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. If you bless my people, I'll bless you. No other nation, listen to me, has, has, has blessed that. Israel like we've blessed them? Some people are looking at me real strange right about now. It'll come to you in a minute. We'll get there. So they're going to make a charge across six kilometres of open drive. General Sherville said, we'll lose every man, but we've got to do what we can do. So I want to show you a little video clip. This is a, this is a visual generation. I go into schools all the time, schools and prisons and things like that. It's a visual generation. You have to have something. Is that right or not? The attention span today is about that of a canary. So you've got to have something visual that people can watch. Uh, he's in shock right now, so don't blame him. I'm, I'm leaving later. He can, he, can, he can straighten up the doctrine later. So you've got to have something visual. Listen, this is not Indiana Jones and the light horse. This is your heritage. This is, hey, my own family. That, look, hey, I've got Filipinos in my family. Hey, come on, star. I love those people. I had 28 nationalities in my church in Darwin, including a couple of Aussies there. I said, it doesn't matter if you were born here or not. If this is your home, this is your heritage. This is as much your heritage as it is mine. Teach your children their godly heritage so they may place their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Listen, we're talking about a legend here, the birth of a legend. I tell you, no other nation. Think about that. The Brits, the French all had a try and couldn't do it. Can you run that video for me, please? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Gets a bit bloodthirsty after that. If that doesn't fire you up, your wood's wet. For the first time in 400 years, the gateway to Jerusalem was open. Not by the British Army or the American Army, but by your forefathers and my forefathers. Can I have an amen? They shed their blood, they lay their lives down. If you bless my people, I'll bless you. Hey, they did the impossible. If they can do the impossible, you and I can do the impossible. Can I have an amen? The liberation of the city that Jesus is coming back to. The birth of a, of a legend. Let me read to you again from a history book. This is, a, I'm quoting in my book here from a history book. It says here, as the Western Australians rode through the streets, they were rushed by the population. I can imagine the mayor runs out, grabs them by the boots and hugs their boots, gives them a flag and a plonk. That would please my grandfather, I can tell you now. In all the great army, it's doubtful if a single man entered Jerusalem for the first time untouched by the influence of the Saviour. This is a military book I'm reading from. It says, Christ met each man on the threshold of the city. The influence was perhaps not lasting. War's not a Christian mission. But for a brief spell, the soldier's mind was purged of its grossness. And he knew again the pure, trusting faith of his childhood. I love that. So what can we learn? As I say, I go to the schools and I go to prisons. What can we learn from these people? What could they teach us? 
You know, the Anzac spirit talks about courage. It talks about mateship. It talks about sacrifice. It talks about endurance. All of those are biblical principles. If you go to the Anzac statue, all four of those show courage, mateship, sacrifice, endurance. You know, think about that. Is that right? Courage. I mean, fear is rampant in our nation, not only in the world, but in the church. You give an order call for fear, you're killed in the stampede. Anyway, you know, as I say, the mental state, the depression, the suicides that are going on right now. We desperately need some courage, just a little bit of guts. Let me read you here a scripture, which I love. You know, Chaplain Mackenzie, I did a book on him too. Aussie Chaplain, a stockman from Bundaberg, frontline trenches. And here's what he reads to the men before they make the charge. Deuteronomy chapter 20. When you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots, isn't that interesting? And people more numerous than you, don't be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And so it shall be when you're on the verge of battle. The priest, the man of God, will approach and what will he say? 666 and the stormtroopers are coming. Grab your food and your gun and run up into the hills and hide. No, he will say this. Don't be afraid. It says don't let your heart faint. Don't tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. They give those men some hope. Can I have an end? a little bit of hope? So the first thing we see as the Anzac spirit is just simply courage. The second thing is mateship. I love that. Mateship. We read the scripture. Jesus said, greater love is no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. Not just inconvenience himself. If we were honest today, we don't even know what the word mateship means anymore. It's just an oxymoron. It doesn't mean anything. You get a, you get a, is that right? You get the media, you get the politicians, and they've just, it doesn't mean anything anymore. These men lay their lives down for each other, shed their blood for each other. I interviewed one old bloke, you know, from the Northern Territory, ex-light horse. He said, I saw my best friend shot off his horse. He said, against direct orders, I could be court-martialed. He said, I swung my horse around and I'm galloped back. There's bullets going over my head, there's smoke, there's bombs. But I see somebody laying on the ground. He said, I I galloped up, grabbed him by the belt and swung him up behind me. He said, when the dust settled, I picked up a Turk by mistake. So I hit him on the head with my gun, but to find my mate again. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a friend like that? It says lay down your life. It doesn't say inconvenience yourself. It says lay your life down. I saw Bishop T.D. Jakes. Anybody know T.D. Jakes? Front cover of Time magazine, one of the most influential preachers of his time. 50,000 people in his meetings. And he's being interviewed by Brian Houston. And Brian said, what would you like to be remembered for, Bishop? Biggest church, best men? He said, he stopped for a minute. I thought, this would be interesting. He said, Brian, I'd like to be remembered as a loyal friend. In an age of relationship deficits, we don't even know what the word means anymore. Can I have an amen? My mum and dad were married to each other for 74 years. They're only Christians the last 10 years of their lives. My dad went through, we, they went through the Great Depression. My dad was badly wounded in fighting the Japanese in Kokoda. Couldn't work for two years. But never once did I hear him say, I've got to find myself now. I've got to find myself. <laughs> well, do I lie or what? Is that right or not? Hey, the average person today takes seven, 48 minutes of selfies a week. I'm not making it up. Time magazine, seven minutes a day of total narcissism. Don't you know what you look like yet? <laughs> Remember when we used to take photos of other people? 
I asked my dad, how do you stay married to the same lady for 74 years? He looked at me and said, let's just learn to be less selfish. See, that would halve the divorce rate, that one thing alone. Paul was asked what were the predominant sign of the last days. He says, men will be lovers of themselves. We're in love with our mirrors. If anybody else fell in love with us, we'd get jealous. <laughs> well, do I lie or what? So you don't think you've got a problem, hey? Well, hey, we get a group photo. Who's the first head you look for? Yours? Is that right or not? You know, we've got this family photo. Our kids have come from all over the place. We're on the stairs and Jen says, you can't use that photo. Why not? My hair doesn't look good. <laughs> Everybody else looks great. Well, do I, do I lie? Are you going to stone me because I tell you the truth? You know, my wife's an amazing. She comes from her, her grandfather fought for the, for the Germans. My grandfather rode with a light horse. Can you imagine? <laughs> but anyway, we sorted out. We've only ever had one fight. It's not over yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. We made a decision that we're not ever going to go to bed angry. The Bible says, don't let the sun set on your wrath. Last fight, we didn't sleep for three months. I'm kidding, I'm just kidding. Is it all right to have a sense of humour? <laughs> My wife's an amazing lady, though. She really is. One of her best friends was dying of cancer. So she went in the hospital and she rang up and she was crying. She said, honey, she said, I'm here with my friend and she's on her own. Nobody should have to die alone. Where's the family? I'm not making it up. The daughter rang up and said, why don't you just hurry up and die so I can get on with my life? You think I'm, you don't have to make things up. So my wife said, she said, honey, if you don't mind, I'm not coming home. I asked the doctor, can I stay here? Can, can you wheel another bed in the ward? Uh, I'll, I'll pay for the meals. But if my friend dies, I don't want to die alone. She rings me at three o'clock in the morning crying. She said, I'm sitting on my best friend's bed. She's just gone to heaven. She said, it shouldn't be like this. Can I have an amen or what? We live lonely lives. Is that right or not? I mean, we all want to go to Afghanistan to preach. We don't know our next-door neighbours. Anyway. Greater love is no man than us than he lay down his life for his friends. What can we learn from our Anzacs? Courage, mateship, sacrifice. Mackenzie, he's a chaplain. He's in the front line, Lone Pine. We lost 2,100 young men in one day from a population of what Melbourne is today. Can you imagine the effect that would have on a country? And so they're in the front line trenches. The first two waves have gone over and been shot down. Mackenzie, six foot three, is walking among the young men. The commanding officer comes up and says, Chaplain, you're not even supposed to be here. Just get out. Mackenzie stands up, six foot three. I've got his diaries. He said, Sir, I'm not a rebellious person, but sometimes you've got to answer to a higher authority and you're not it. See, I'd follow a man like that. He said, You and I both know these young men are going to die. What sort of a man? Now he's in his 40s. What sort of a father? What sort of a friend would I be to let them die on their own? And turns and he says, I live with you. I've, I've eaten with you. I've prayed with you. I'm, I'm not afraid to die with you. And when the whistle blows and you go over the top, I'll be right alongside of you. What would that mean to a 16-year-old kid that's never been off a farm in his life? The whistle blows, they go over 700 a shot down immediately. Mackenzie's so badly wounded, they thought he would die, but he survives. Summoned to Buckingham Palace by King George himself. Received the military across, should have been VC. And the king brushes through the people and he says, Chaplain, your fame precedes you. You were a friend to these young men. A friend. 
It's called sacrifice. Lay down your life. Endurance. You know, there's a scripture I love in Acts. We need some scripture. In Acts, <laughs> Acts chapter 20, I, I love this. I, I like Paul. I just like the right way. Give me a moment because my Bible's not open to the right places yet. But Acts chapter 20, let me read to you from verse 24. None of these things move me. <laughs> I mean, the man's only been whipped and beaten up, stoned. That's not marijuana, okay? Left for dead. I believe he was dead. And they prayed him back. He says, none of these, <laughs> none of these things move me. Anyway, we won't go. I was thinking about if people that leave offended. But anyway, he says that I might finish my race or finish my course with what? Biggest meetings, healing services, great prophecies. He could have said any of that. That I might finish my race or my course with joy. Because if you lose your joy, you lose your strength. The joy of the Lord. Not happy, happy, funny, funny. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And he says, In the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He says, I might finish. Interesting word, finish. Now, if you've got a religious spirit, it's about to manifest. A lot of us today don't finish anything. This is the generation that if it gets too tough, just quit. How many, I, I guarantee if you walk down the street and see how many shops have got signs up, is that right or not, that they want to employ people? A lot of our young people just don't want to work. My own grant, I can't understand that. I just want to go and have fun. I, I, I want to serve. It says that I might finish my course, finish what you start. Yeah. Yeah. Can I have an amen? Yeah. Uh, now, I, 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 I don't know you people, so I don't get all cranky. I'm not preaching against anything. I'm just sharing the word. But you know, today, my mum and dad married to each other 74 years. It was an example to me and my wife. My wife deserves a medal. She said, forget the medals, just give me a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> But she does the stick with me. Hello. For all those years. I apologise to my wife. You know, when, when I first got in the ministry, I thought it was God first, then the church. But I realise it's not. It's God first, then your family. And then the church. If you don't believe me, have a look. When God saw that Adam was lonely, he didn't build him a church. He gave him a family. Can I have an Amen. And if you lose your family, you will lose your ministry anyway. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm on that point. So, you know, there's something they're finishing, just finishing what we start. And sometimes that's hard to stay in the same church when somebody offended you. Well, did they offend you? It came out. You still go there? <laughs> the other thing which I love about these blokes, they weren't the old blokes you think. Most of them were teenagers. As young as 14 years old, 14, 15. What can we learn if these young men can stand up against those sort of odds, come hello and survive? Surely that gives you hope for me and you. Is that right? For the same sort of... And nation may not be under threat of invasion, but it's certainly under threat. Can I have an amen or what? Some of the things now... Is that right? You, you go to jail for, the, for 20 years, you would have go to jail for doing. Anyway. You know, the other thing, and I, I need to close off here, but what I love about this is also the Aboriginal people. In the First World War, they were not allowed in the armed forces, but I knew the best riders, the best shots. I'm from Darwin. The best riders, the best shots were Aboriginal boys. I knew they would have got in. So I did a study, and I found of the 45,000, there were 400 full-blood Aboriginals that were in the light horse. If you don't believe me, I've actually got the photographs. 
too dark for the light horse. And when they got together, listen to me, the men, my grandfather shared with me, he said they got around, they tried to kick them out. They said, they said, hey, they served together, they laid their lives down, their blood the same. If you kick them out, we go too. Is that right or not? You never leave a mate. The code of the light horse, you never leave a mate. Imagine if we could get that back into the church, just that one thing. You never leave a mate under any circumstances. You know, I love that. And so, you know, it gives me a chance to get out there. I found 400. Hey, I'm from, I went to Arnhem Land. I got adopted into the tribe, got skin names, everything like that. I'm going out to preach to them one day. I'm out there. Two of the young guys got bad attitudes. What do you want, whitey? I said, you ever heard of Light Horse? Yeah, maybe. Ever heard of Jerusalem? Yeah, they like that. I said, well, you know, the, the boys that liberated the city that Jesus is coming back to were the Australian light horse. Of the 45,400 were Aboriginals. And of the 400, two of them came from this very town. I know more of your heritage than you do yourself. When I said that, they were all over me like a measles rash. Hey, bro. <laughs> we need things that will unite us, not divide us. Is that right? The politics, and they're trying to divide us as a nation. First nation, second nation. Get lost. You want to tell us we're second rate? Listen to me, it's one people. Is that right? Just one people. Can I have an amen? Doesn't matter what colour you are, it makes no difference what colour. My mum and dad fostered Aboriginal kids. As I say, I got adopted, doesn't matter what colour you are. God, God is colour blind. Can I have an amen? And so I'm able to share. We need things that will unite us. I say, if our grandfathers fought together, maybe even died together, Surely that gives us a basis for you and I to live together. Can I have an amen or what? Not you, not them and us. It's us. I'm very quiet in the Presbyterian church, but anyway. You know, what can we learn from the... We can learn something about courage and mateship and sacrifice. They achieved the impossible. Why? Because they did it God's way. Eleven Crusades, Napoleon, British Army, all in their own ideas and their own strength. And then on a specific day, 400 years to the day, the boys make the charge because it's God's way and they win. Can I have an amen? Years ago, I got a chance to preach at Kenneth Copeland's church. And I'm over there. I got my message together. I got it all prepared three months. I get up there and the Spirit of God says, I don't want you to preach that. And I said, well, you could have told me a couple of months ago. He said, no, you needed that. And I said, well, what am I going to preach? I'm standing here like a, like a lizard on a rock. He said, preach about the light horse. Man, I love the Americans. I pastored there. But they didn't even know where we lived. <laughs> I'm talking years ago. They said, where are you from? I said, Australia. One said, oh, I've got relatives there. They said, I said, where? They said, in London. <laughs> I'm not making it up. I said, that's 11,000 kilometres from where I live. So I got up and I started to share about the light horse. I said, you know, I was in awe of the United States. A country founded on the word of God. Think about that. Think of the ministries. Kenneth Hagin. Uh, even the English. Think about that. Reformation. Think about that. Is that Smith Wigglesworth? Wesley Brothers. Awesome. The, the Germans. Gutenberg Bible. Oh, I love it. I said, I was intimidated, but I'm not anymore. I said, I respect your culture. You hear it. But what other country can say? that my relatives liberated the city that Jesus is coming back to. Top that. I sold every book I had. Every book I had. Let me just give you a couple of quotes here. Anybody ever heard of Cindy Jacobs? Cindy Jacobs says here, 
Seldom in our extensive travels around the world have we encountered a story as compelling as the 800 Light Horsemen. We share it in many nations as an example of true courage and bravery and mateship that needs to be known around the world for Christians. For Christians, it proves again, once again that God, with God all things are possible. Accounts such as this are national treasures for Australia and should be shared from generation to generation. Billy Brim says, The world needs to know that Australia has been used by God to liberate the city that Jesus is coming back to. And I go into schools all the time and would you believe, hey, I, I, I was speaking to history teachers, more degrees than a thermometer, Dr. Fahrenheit. <laughs> they said, are you a doctor? I said, I'm not even a nurse. <laughs> well, how come you're teaching us? I said, well, look, here's just a little insight. I'm quoting what these people said themselves, not what they, you said or someone said or meant to say. I quote these people themselves. Is that fair enough? Allow them to speak for themselves. Man, I, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I love this. This is like sick them to a dog. Listen to me, my horse can smell water. One old bloke told me, you know why I made the charge? One told me, he said, somebody knocked the sheba up the side I just saw beer. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that. See, I just like that. I, another one said, you know, we, we, we've made the charge. We've lost our uniforms and hats. He said, all I've got is my shorts. Now I'm limping down the Gaza for a swim or, a, or for a bit of a surf. He said, this pompous British MP steps up and says, no shorts allowed on the beach. So, so he said, I just dropped my shorts, kept walking. <laughs> I love that. Up your nose. I love it. Oka. Dear God. Is that all right? Imagine if we could get some of those prints. I'm not, not dropping your shorts, I don't mean. But just courage and mateship back in. My horse, this fella said, you know, he said, I got a medal. He said, but what really happened is, he said, we're about to charge and my horse smelt water. And if anybody's here with horses and, you know, once they put their head to it, they're going. He said, all I did was I hung on, jumping over trenches. I fired a couple of shots. He said, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just hanging on because my horse smelt water. Well, listen to me spiritually. My horse can smell water. Wigglesworth prophesied the last great move of the Spirit would be here in Australia and New Zealand. I'm hanging on to that. I keep reminding my, my, my sons, my grandson was in the army. I keep reminding them, this is your heritage, people. Our forefathers did what no other nation has ever been able to do, liberate the city that Jesus is coming back to. Can I just... I want to do a special. There's three books here that normally would be 25 each, 75 but you can have them for 50. Listen to me, listen. They make great Christmas presents. Listen, I, I, our next generation needs to know this stuff. We've put 3,500 of these into schools ourselves free. Didn't, listen to me. We put them in the school. Hello? The least you could do is buy a book, get it into somebody's hands, your kids, your grandkids, a library, council, somebody. If you don't have the money, I'll give you a book. I, I strongly believe. Listen to me that we need to pass it to the next generation so they may place their hope in God. Not Disneyland. <laughs> Hello, but in the Word of God. Can I get you to stand up real quickly? I want to just show you a little DVD. We put this together for Canberra. Would you meet? I, I spoke at Parliament House. We had the head of the armed forces, chaplains, and so we put this together just as a mark of respect for our forefathers. Can you play that for me, please? Lord, we just give you the praise and the thanks.
Lord, I just thank you for the privilege that it is just to be able to share something of our spiritual heritage with our sons and daughters, our grandsons, our granddaughters. Because your word says, teach your children their godly heritage so they may place their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Lord, I just thank you that no nation, I just remind you that no nation has ever blessed Israel. Your people, like my nation, has blessed them, shed their blood, lay their lives down to open the gateways to the city that Jesus is coming back to. Father, we just give you the praise. We give you the glory. Lord, that we might just inherit their courage, their sense of mateship, their sacrifice, their endurance. And we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Well, your head's about just for a moment. I don't know anybody here. Is there anyone here that you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord? I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Anyone at all? I won't embarrass anybody. Just pop your hand up and I'll pray for you right where you're standing. I won't drag anybody down the front. I won't embarrass anybody. But if you just, just slip your hand up, I'll pray for you right where you're standing. I just see one hand. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up, Father. Would you say this with me out of your heart? Say, I believe. No, convince me. Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for me. And I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. And I believe that my old man dies and ceases to exist. And as the Spirit of God comes into my heart, I'm born again, changed, transformed. Thank you, Jesus. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And you're my best mate, my best friend. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Can we do that?